All right, this is Darkness Radio, episode number 108, Geist of St. Years, part two, talking about character creation and rules for the new Geist of St. Years, second edition. I am one of your hosts, Mike, and tonight I'm joined by Matt. How's it going, Matt? It's going all right. Awesome. And we've got Chris. How's it going, Chris? Uh, it's pretty good, thank you. And Chig. What's up, Chig? Oh, not much. How you guys been? Pretty good. It's almost like we were just recording another episode five minutes ago. Don't, <laughs> don't break the kayfabe. Oh, just right. Slander. Sorry. I, I, that was uh, at least a week ago. Right. Right. My bad. So, yeah, as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about uh, Geist's character creation, some of the rules and all that to kind of give people a little bit of a walkthrough with creating a character and also uh, go over some of the rules and also give inspiration for the game if you're a little stuck for ideas. So... We'll get to that in a second, but of course, we're going to start off with a game update. So, Chig, what kind of gaming have you been doing? Well, we've been running uh, Blades in the Dark here still. Uh, we have recently entered what I like to think of as the end game. Uh, Whoa. The players have learned that the people they've been working for have shockingly not necessarily had their best interests at heart, and... Uh, now have to decide whether to keep going down the path they're on or try to make the world a little better. Okay. Okay. I hope they uh, opt for the uh, catabasis option and uh, make their criminal underworld a better place. Time alone will tell. Wow. I'm just running the game, so (laughs) it's been real fun. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. All right, cool. And uh, yeah, I've actually... So I haven't run any Shadowrun again lately unfortunately i keep getting really busy but i did play in a brand new DD campaign that we just started called paternity quest where uh, all the players at the table all play as half humans so like i'm the half elf we've got a uh, halfling we've got a uh a oh geez what are they called azamar one of the like half celestial uh, azamar azamar right and um etc and basically we all episode one session one showed up in a funeral for our father and found out that we're all related was your father a bard he was a bard named frank and boy did he have a lot of illegitimate children uh so basically we all find out that we need to get all of our trinkets together from our father to uh get our inheritance but a couple people didn't show up so that is the game we're just all finding our family members, trying to get our our family inheritance. So a really weird version of Baldur's Gate 2? Yes. Actually, yeah, the, the, the Time of Troubles does play into it. So we'll see how it, how it all pans out. We've only played one game session thus far, but uh, we're all really psyched for it. We put a lot of effort into our characters, and it's going to be awesome. That sounds like a fantastic game. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, we'll pl- be playing like intermittently over a year or something. And uh, yeah, we'll see how it all goes. So that's my game update, and uh, I think with that, let's uh, go move on over to the news. Hey, Chris, you want to go over any uh, cool news that we have coming up? Yes. So we have got very soon, uh, it will be when this goes out, what, when? A week away? Maybe more? Maybe less? About a week, yeah. So we have at UK Games Expo, we are running a seminar. We were invited to run a seminar to celebrate the 10th anniversary of Dark Days Radio. So we will be there for one hour at 2 p.m. on Sunday the 2nd in the Burnham NEC. And we will have guests from White Wolf, Onyx Path, and Modiphius talking about World of Darkness. New books coming up for World of Darkness. New books coming up for uh, Chronicles, of, uh, Chronicles of Darkness. Potentially a little bit of Trinity. Uh, Guests will be further locked down as we get nearer to the event and also more than likely confirmed on the day. So just stay tuned with um, social media to see that. Mm-hmm. Then also we have had releases of Venice Unmasked uh, for Change and Lost second edition, uh, first edition sorry, on uh, the Storyteller Vault. We have The Hunger Within also on the Storyteller Vault. And of course, if you were listening to the previous show, you will know that Mike and I are writing the bits up for... Uh, Geist the Sin Eaters Second Edition, a scenario which will I will also be running, and thus it will be you know tested 
essentially, at UK Games Expo as part of the Contagion Chronicle event that's going on there, where myself uh, and a number of Onyx Path writers will be running Chronicles of Darkness games, and those will take place on the Saturday afternoon, and then uh, players from each of those games will go through to a final game in that evening, run by Matthew Dawkins, which is the true crossover game of Chronicles of Darkness. So it will be using, you will be still playing the character you were playing from those games. So, you know, it will be a changeling, a geist, a vampire, etc., etc., walk into a room and deal with whatever the contagion is. And then I'm also running on the Sunday morning at the Modifius stand two demos of Vampire the Masquerade 5th Edition using a cut-down version of Make Blood Boil, so it'll be a very fast run-through of the rules. And I think that's about it as far as news from us. Are there any good other releases out? Oh, wait up, there's another good, also important bit of news. Um, mm. You can go over to our YouTube and you can see me doing a bit of a, a show-off unboxing, whatever you want to call it, of the pr premium printings of print on demand of mage i want to say mage vampire and uh yeah it was mage vampire and werewolf um second editions and having a look at how those look and i think i also i also showed off uh what the physical copy of cult fourth edition looks like because of course uh mm. chick at some point we will be doing an episode on powered by the apocalypse it's definitely on our to-do list it's on our to-do list so uh you know stay tuned for that obviously one of the things i really want to run for the uh for darker days radio is to do a one shot for cult because it is a interesting setting and wonderful art and other stuff in it yep. uh, and that should also be out for release on general release quite soon so i think as you listen to this it should be out in stores and it's mostly going to be on some stand at uk games expo yeah definitely all right nice thank you for all your hard work lately and uh, getting all that good content out there so i think with that let's uh move on over to our main segment which is talking about character creation and the rules of geist the sin eaters second edition Chronicles of Darkness. All right, so uh, similar to our previous uh, Kindred of the East episode, we're going to have a character sheet on our blog so you can uh, reference it as you listen to the episode, or maybe after the episode, you can go check it out and just see where all the dots were assigned and the like. Geist of Ears, second edition, of course, follows the Chronicles of Darkness second edition rule set, which is very similar to the old Chronicles of Darkness 1st edition, uh, and also, of course, the World of Darkness classic system. Your basic dice rolling mechanic is that you make a dice pool of 10-sided dice by adding the number of dots you have in one of your attributes and uh, the number of dots you have in one of your skills. So, for example, you want to roll uh, Intelligence and Science, let's say, for this character that we're going to be reviewing this episode, that would be two intelligence plus one dot in science. Boom, you have three dice. You roll those, and anything that is an eight, nine, or ten is a success. And tens, you are allowed to re-roll and see if you get additional successes. That's the, uh, the ten again rule. And if you get enough successes to uh, beat like a difficulty threshold, which might just be one success, maybe it'll be more, like three successes, uh, then you will succeed at your task. So it's all pretty simple, very fast-paced, and really great for storytelling games. So that's the mechanical basics, and let's just kind of get into designing a character. So this is one of the characters that's going to be featured in the Ashes of Memory, uh, Geisasinier's SAS adventure that Chris and I are working on. Uh, so if you know this interests you, you can definitely check out that uh, PDF once it's uh, out on the street. And that... SAS, that adventure is going to be set in Paris, France. So all the different characters are going to be uh, either French or uh, had been residing in France or have some relation to that country. This character is going to be named Erica Devereaux. And what I wanted to do with this character was kind of highlight uh, just some, a little bit of variety, basically. So I wanted to make a muscle character for the group, and I figured, you know, it'll be interesting if the muscle character in this case was a woman. So doing a little bit of research into the uh, the French armed forces, uh, they actually do have many women in combat roles. 
So I figured, hey, let's have a, a woman that's an infantry woman. Um, and just to kind of make things a bit more dark, I opted to have her be, uh, her death occurs uh, as she's deployed to Mali. Because actually right now, uh, in 2019, there's a lot of French troops which have been deployed in Sub-Saharan Africa, in West Africa, uh, and other places as uh, a means of not only French power projection, but also to just kind of uh, kind of help maintain a lot of previous colonial interests for that country in those parts of Africa. I assume that uh, perhaps uh, this infantry woman was captured and was basically killed during torture. This, of course, made her a very vengeful spirit, and when a geist found her, named the Mute Screamer, uh, they bonded and she returned, not only exacting revenge on her assailants, but also returning to France after her basic tour of duty was uh, passed and becoming a, a real vigilante in many ways in the uh, streets of Paris. So that's the basic character we have here. We're just going to be covering character creation for this character, Erica, and also uh, creation of her Geist character. Because in Geist, the senior second edition, you actually have a three-step process for character creation. You make your character, you make their Geist, and then the entire group gets together and makes the crew and many of the celebrants as well. We're just going to be covering the first two in this episode because um, we don't have a full group to do crew creation. Uh, however, of course, if that really interested a lot of listeners, uh, just let us know and we could do more advanced uh, uh, creation options in the future. So, team, you guys ready? Yeah, there's, it's going to be interesting to go to delve through this and um, pick out some of the interesting rules changes as well in second edition. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to start with the real quick basic stuff. Um, so when you're making a character for Chronicles of Darkness second edition, it's just like uh, most other previous Chronicles of Darkness and World of Darkness games where you uh, assign dots to your attributes in a, uh, a primary, secondary, tertiary manner. So you might say that, okay, uh, my character's primary stat group is going to be mental. So that means I'll apply five dots to that primary group, which is intelligence, wits, and resolve. All of them start at one, and then you can assign those additional dots. Actually, for this character, Erica, because this is more of a muscle character, I assign those five dots to the physical, primarily. Strength starts at one. I put two dots in there to make that three. Dexterity starts at one, one additional dot to give her a dexterity two. And then for stamina, two additional dots to make a starting stamina of three. And yeah, physical will be primary, secondary will be mental, and then social will be the tertiary. Uh, likewise, you have mental, social, and physical skills, and you assign dots in the same way. All skills start at zero, and you can assign the dots as you go through. Uh, so... In the case of, uh, of Erica, physical was the primary. So I put, for example, three dots in athletics, three dots in firearms, because she was you know, a trained soldier with a decent amount of experience. Uh, but also like just one dot into stealth, one dot into survival, representing some of her training, um, etc. Uh, secondary skills were mental. So the only ones that really stand out are, in this case, investigation with two dots, meaning that she's pretty good at scanning the area, looking for things, uh, looking for information as well. And also one dot into science, which will be relevant in a second. And then, of course, tertiary was social. In addition to that, in Chronicles of Darkness, you assign three specialties to any of the skills you want. So in the case of Erica, I put... Uh, one specialty in science, and said it was mechanics, being that she probably has to uh, has a lot of knowledge of just repairing things, keeping equipment up to uh, up to snuff, especially out in uh, pretty austere conditions. It gave her a specialty in organized crime for streetwise, uh, just having a lot of knowledge of that and how the uh, the criminal underworlds may work uh, in uh, in Paris in France. And in addition to that, uh, gave her a specialty specialization in long rifles for firearms just to kind of build upon that training that i've already assigned just as a fun little side note one of the great things to do when you're setting a game in europe uh, especially western europe is to give characters a bunch of dots and firearms but then they don't actually have a gun because mm -hmm. of course it's a little bit tougher to uh in some countries in europe uh have firearms 
So that's always just an instance, uh, at least an instant scene or an instant, uh, instant plot hooks just uh, involving that right there, which is pretty interesting for games. Mike, one of the things I was going to say is if people wanted to try using some other bits from the Chronicles of Darkness core book is um, technically you could have built this character right using professional training. Um, so you could have picked soldier and then for every dot in the professional training, which is a which is a merit, which we'll get in, which we'll talk about the merits that are particular to, to Geist. But that also opens up some extra... Um, elements which tie in and synchronize with the skills that are particular to their profession one of which of the example and list is soldier so there's a ways of you could really have you can go to town with those two books and really you know get concepts really um fully realized yeah no that's a good point actually i those aren't printed in the uh the geist book right here are no, they they're not. not yeah okay see that's um this is gonna be another little side note so Characters in Chronicles of Darkness 1st Edition and 2nd Edition tend to be actually pretty weak. They have very few dots uh, compared to things you might remember in World of Darkness. One of the ways they corrected that in 2nd Edition was the inclusion of those uh, trained careers and the like, which I, I really enjoyed. And I thought they were great when they were in 1st Edition introduced with um, with Hunter, Hunter, right? Yeah. yeah, that was kind of nagging me as I was going through this. And I did try to check for them, but I didn't see them in the book. If you are a storyteller running Geist or one of the other games that does not include those careers, I would actually, yeah, I would really encourage you to take a look at that because a lot of characters here are only going to be throwing like three or four dice when they first start off. And if your successes are only on eights or higher, that means there's not going to be a lot of successes flying around. Um, which could be cool for some games, but other times you kind of want to, especially for convention games, uh, you want to have players rolling more dice and getting more successes yeah for example if you've got professional training at level two so you've got two dots in that merit um it means when making a roll with the asset skills so the asset skills for soldier will be firearms and soldier uh sorry survival uh they gain the nine again quality so rather so they get you know exploding mm. dice on nines rather than tens only so much space in the book you got to cut something yeah, yeah unfortunately unfortunately and yes, um, that's another thing to note, actually. Uh, with World of Darkness, uh, Chronicles of Darkness, second edition rules, they print, they reprint most of the core rules in each book. So you don't need to have that uh, Chronicles of Darkness core book to reference all the Which time. Which is very nice. However, it some is. of the stuff that doesn't make the cut could have been handy to have. Yeah. 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 So it's been unfortunate. Um, anyway, so that is the skills and the attributes. So pretty easy, just fill in some dots. Uh, these attributes are used to calculate a lot of uh, substats like the character health, their willpower, uh, their defensive stats and speed, etc. Those equ equations are actually just on the uh, character sheet printed right there. So it's very easy to fill those out. Um, and we're not gonna focus any more time on that. After that point, you begin to pick out the merits of your character. So in Geist, there are, of course, like all the standard uh, merits uh, that you know from other games, such as like resources, contacts, allies, etc. Uh, but there's also a bunch of like uh, uh, new merits that have been introduced that all have to do with, uh, you know, having particular keys, um, ceremonies that the, uh, the Geist may, or the uh, Sinator may know, um, and some other very interesting, unique ones. Uh, of course, every single senior character gets a free dot in tolerance of biology, which uh, kind of just represents their uh, resistance to extreme temperatures, resistance to like poisons, etc. Uh, basically, like an extra kind of endurance that they have. Wait, that's that's not what the merit reads. Oh, isn't I? completely that's, forgot then that is what it says in the uh at the start of the book but that's not what it actually says it does in the merit in the merit it says that uh you you're used to seeing basically uh things that are dead and things that have not died easily yeah. so you have like a cast iron stomach if you come across a a dead body that's been just you know chopped to bits or thrown around really yeah so is it's, it really different in the book yeah, it's it's yeah. it has two definitions in the same book. The merit on page eighty nine 
says that you don't have to make composure, stamina, or resolve rolls to withstand the biologically strange. But in the character gener- in the character creation section, it definitely does say that this is you know to show that you don't, aren't affected by you know hunger as easily or extreme temperatures as easily because you're a dead thing. Uh, that's mm-hmm. weird. Okay, um, very strange. So. We're going to be getting into this as we go through. Sorry. But there's some, there's some, <laughs> there's some poor editing and poor layout for uh, Geist Second Edition, and I thought we, were, we weren't going to get into that until we got to the um, <laughs> until the haunts. But okay, that's uh, well, well, strike number one right there. So in addition to having uh, you know, tolerance for biology, they all start with one dot in uh, the kind of basic ones. There's also a lot of you know more. Su- there's the supernatural merits. And there's also some other ones. I gave Erica, of course, talents of biology because she begins with it. Retribution, uh, which I'm going to add one dot to right there because I forgot one, um, which is actually a fighting style, which is pretty interesting. It's not defined as a supernatural fighting style, which I found was interesting, but it's basically a um, when when this character sees injustice or any kind of abuse, uh, basically they get some bonus which I thought was very strange, but also kind of interesting as well. So that's why I wanted to highlight it as we were making this character and kind of talking about character creation. So with one dot in Retribution, uh, she has Unearing Pursuit. So the character can track and find assailants with a predatory ferocity, uh, adding plus two to all rules to track or pursue, adding plus two to the character's speed as well. So just by, by seeing bad things happen this character becomes faster and be has these uh these bonuses to tracking but again this is not a supernatural merit and doesn't re- really require any training or anything like that so i'm not sure how just seeing bad things somehow makes this character more powerful that seems uh unless it's all all based on adrenaline mm. um i'm just not really sure how that works but let's 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 keep reading Two dots is called and taking names. Your character's fueled not by not just by muscle and adrenaline, but by righteous indignation. Okay, so there's the adrenaline right there, muscle. We also have this kind of this more mental aspect to it. Uh, we're making an all-out attack. See page XX. Uh, don't add plus two to a roll. Instead, add plus one damage. And if attacking unarmed, it counts as a weapon attack now. Uh, if an effect would add dice to a normal all-out attack bonus, add plus one damage for every two dice rounded down. Oh, outside of direct combat actions, damaging effects like traps, explosives, or car crashes she causes cause an additional two damage. Hmm. Yeah, I, just... I, I like that. You know, the, the pit trap that you dig because you were just so angry. <laughs> yeah, it just it's... does more damage. It's so weird. Like it's, I, It is I... weird. I was going to go with, I think I would actually say, fuck it. It is actually supernatural. And here's my reasoning. That's uh, what I would C- go with. Sin Eaters see the flow of death. And you mostly see the flow of death, or at least you know that you can see your arrow of time to towards this person's fate that you want to harm mostly you can see that arrow of fate more distinctly uh you can sense it you can sense that flow of death when it is someone that's harmed near you know someone when you're protecting someone and you feel that injustice and you need to put an end to that person so that's how i would reason it yeah i concur 100 i think retribution is really cool and interesting if it is supernatural if it's not supernatural i'm just i'm just left there scratching my head because none of this is like biologically or physically possible so did you by any chance read the note at the end of that mirror? yes <laughs> oh i didn't what is it if your character's burden is vengeful which uh this erica character has that oh. burden any rules to retribution abilities benefit from the eight again quality oh wow basically any success on any uh fighty role that she makes gets to roll again yeah that is incredible i didn't realize that and i guess i just made a combat monster by accident (laughs) oh my gosh well all right that's great thanks for checking that chig i'm here for you all right and yeah so uh those are that's the big merit right there is retribution but i also um wanted to give erica uh contacts with the uh, the gendarmes which are you know the um the the federal 
police force in France, mm-hmm. um, as well as the uh, just one dot in resources. I assume she has a job or something. I haven't really thought that through. But, you know, when you're a living character, you got to have at least one dot in resources, right? Most probably like a bouncer or something at a club in Paris. That would be cool. Yeah, that's a good idea. I'll use that. Now, let's talk about the real definite supernatural features of the Geist characters. So, uh, Geist have, have three basic powers or power classifications. They have the haunts. Uh, which represents uh, different, basically, uh, ways to interact with the underworld, interact with uh, the methodologies, their their part dead condition, and make those kinds of effects. They also have keys. Keys are related to um, ways to their ways to unlock and modify the powers of the underworlds by unlocking unlocking uh, certain past extreme experiences that they've had or by experiencing extreme experience experiencing extreme experiences that doesn't make much sense extreme um, events extreme events that are tied to other objects or uh even utilizing the keys of geists that they have previously killed and that they wear the death mask of which i think is a really rad concept um the sin eaters are able to you know, in very extreme conditions, and uh, it's very difficult, they might be able to kill another Geist and forge from them a death mask, which they can wear to unlock the keys of that Geist, which is a really cool image and uh, also a neat mechanic. They can also kill another Sin Eater and eat their Geist to get their key permanently. Mm, Yep, yep. Really rad stuff. If it seems like I was having a lot of trouble explaining what the keys are, it's because I don't really understand them very well. See, now... Now, you say that they get them from experiencing extreme events. I read it differently as uh, previous editions of Geist that you that you guys have read, and I'm not going to lie to you, I did not read Geist 1st Edition or 1.1 Edition, the updated and revised. Uh, this is how they died. So if, you're, yeah. if your character, not your Geist necessarily, but if your character, your Sin Eater himself... Uh, got ran, you know, was walking along the street and a safe fell on his head. Well, hey, he has access to the key of chance. If he was uh, mauled by a lion, then he has access to the key of beasts. If he froze to death, he's got the key of cold wind. Yeah, I I did read this part of the book. You have an innate key. Your Geist has an innate key. You can use any keys of any mementos you possess, but the only way to gain more innate keys is to eat other geists. Yeah. Right. But my issue is not like how you have the key. I understand that. But what does the key really represent? How you the died. The key represents how you died. And you use it by, uh, you tap into your, your death, your own personal death. And that resonance empowers your other your abilities which uh are called manifestations on the character sheets but are not called that in the no. actual book nope that's a holdover from geist first edition <sighs> onyx path please fix that the, yeah um, the thing that says like what the key is doing is that keys are how you open avernian gates which is like the idea is you open the way to the underworld through your experiences with death but when you're using a key to empower a haunt you're not unlocking a gate, you're unlocking yourself and unlocking yeah. that surge of plasm from the underworld. So that is what the key is doing. Okay, cool. That's pretty rad. I like it. Unlocking your own personal connection with death, which is also why you then gain the curse as a result. Yeah, because because mm. you, you've basically you've, you've opened up that form of entropy that that type of death will affect you. Um, so, for example, going back to the key of beasts, you could use it in a place, say, if you wanted to use the haunt called Boneyard and you wanted to turn a portion of a zoo into your personal Boneyard for a scene, uh, you could use the Key of Beasts to open that up because it's resonant because there's animals there. And that means when you utilize that key, um, the the haunt gains a bonus of the, of the attribute attached to it, which in this case is wits. And then it says... 
you gain the doom, which is automatically fail any action targeting an animal or any action an animal could plausibly hinder. For example, a barking dog could foil a stealth action. And if you do that, your doom resolves. So doom is a type of condition. However, you only gain that doom. This is pretty far into the weeds here. Yes. You only gain that doom if uh, you roll if you don't roll an exceptional success on your unlock roll or on your um, the roll that you're using this this uh, key for. Yeah. Or but, you uh, don't pay one willpower. So yeah. you can pay one willpower and just not have the doom and get all the, the bonuses. Yeah. It's a very Fine. fiddly system, I think. And then finally, <laughs> you know, you can have multiple keys. You can have multiple ways of having the key of the same type. So, for example, say, going back to Chick's example, you died due to a bear attack. Fine. So you've got the key of beasts. And then, say you picked up, uh, let's say, a Memento Mori, which was, say, a hunter's rifle. That could also be the key of beasts because it's related to maybe you discovered it um, after there was some sort of massacre by, you know, I say massacre, but massacre by, like, say, maybe, yeah, actually, maybe a whole bunch of people got killed by, like, ro- by rampaging werewolves, for example. That could be key of beasts. Okay. And then then you've got this item, which I believe keys also exist in Twilight and exist in the real world, or you can pull them in, and they have... Memento Mori have their own specific abilities, but ultimately they are it's another key. So you can use you can use a you can use a type of key multiple times, but not from the same source. Right. So if you have two that have the key of beast, you can use them both. However, here's a fun thing. If you use one and you do not roll an exception uh was an exceptional success, is that what it's called? Yeah. yeah. If you don't roll yeah. an exceptional success or pay that one willpower, then your key is stuck in that lock. And you cannot use it again until you experience the doom. Mm. That's that's cool. what the doom is for. Nice. Yeah. So I mean, you guys are already kind of going through Sorry. some hypothetical. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, no, you're going through some good hypothetical situations. But let's actually just talk about the character we have right in front of us, and just kind of cover some uh, some real in play examples. So, what key does she have? She has a key of blood. Yes, that's correct. So because. Um, so this is one of the interesting things. You know, the way they died has the influence of what their key is. Now, Erica, I assume, was probably killed by... I was thinking some manner of uh, of waterboarding, essentially, because I wanted to uh, have all the characters kind of unified by them all being drowned, all the characters in this crew. Uh, so she died in a drowning, but since it was such a violent experience, rather than having the uh, key of uh, of deep waters... I instead gave her the key of blood because she was essentially murdered in this in this situation. Yeah, uh, definitely murdered. Um, so that is the explanation of having the key of blood. The key of blood, of course, uh, is attuned for and resonates with uh, situations where she uses it, and there is extreme violence, extreme tension, extreme conflict. Now, for the haunts that uh, she has, uh, each of the burdens has three basic haunts. When you're assigning your three dots that you're allowed to uh, assign during character creation, you just need to put two of those dots in one of one or more of your uh, burden haunts. However, you can also put one dot into any other haunt you want, should you choose to do so. I was a little boring and uninteresting with this character, and I just put one dot into the curse, uh, one dot into memori, memoria, uh, and one dot into the rage. So just quickly talking about uh, how these can be used. So the uh, each of the haunts has a, uh, a specific way that they work. You make a dice pool, which is the number of dots in the haunt, plus your character's synergy. Uh, Erica has a synergy of two. And you roll those dice. She, uh, in this case, would have a dice pool of three. Now... These dice that you roll and any plasm that you spend is used to get charges in the condition of the haunt that you are using. So you have to go read the rules for the different haunts, roll those dice, and if you get enough successes, you then gain that condition, let's say we're using the rage, uh, with a number of charges. And those charges can be used for different things. 
In addition to that, uh, of course, you can get some extra dice on your roll. So if you don't want to roll with just a dice pool of three, you can reference one of your keys. The key of blood has a primary stat, primary attribute of presence. So when you activate that key, Wait, what? Uh, you will be able to roll an additional two dice. So yeah, that's just a, a basic use of haunts plus keys. The only really frustrating thing, unfortunately, is that um, if you read the section on haunt rules, it doesn't give you all the rules for how to use these haunts because you have to go then reference the condition card to get the rest of the rules. And condition cards uh, in Geist are located towards the back of the book. So you have to flip through another 150 pages to be able to figure out what these different charges do, what these other effects are, and also, I mean, you have the uh, the dooms as well uh, that you need to keep track of. So uh, definitely, if you're going to be running Geist at a convention, have those cards printed out and ready uh, so that people can easily reference them. Really? I wonder what I'll be doing. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's um, I really would say to Onyx Path, because this is only at the moment the... Um, the initial Kickstarter release of uh, Geist Second Edition, I would definitely encourage him to reformat and and fix the layout and a lot of issues, specifically to, you know, put all the rules for the haunts up in the um, the actual haunt rules. You know, don't have half the rules sitting down here in a completely different section, 150 pages away. Um, and also, I think Matt, you found looking through the book that uh, a lot of the the crew condition cards are actually printed in the crew section anyway. So there's already precedent for that in this book. Right. And one thing that I would mention, like if you are printing out those condition cards to hand out to your players, like invest in either like a couple of D sixes or those like tiny glass beads, just like to put them on the condition cards. You have a physical representation of how many charges you've got on it. That's definitely a great point. So that covers the haunts in the, uh, and the keys and that's that's pretty much a lot of it. Geist characters also have a synergy stat, which I don't think we've covered yet. Uh, I gave Erica a synergy of two. Usually, Geist uh, senior characters start with a synergy of one, but by spending five merit points, you can increase that by one, uh, you know, to a maximum of three if you spend all of your merit points. I just wanted to do that because I think for a convention kind of game and for a one shot, you want to be able to have characters throwing a lot more dice around and getting that just at least one extra die uh, for using your haunts, uh, I think is uh, is a huge benefit. Whereas having additional like contacts or resources and that sort of thing is not as beneficial for uh, for the players and their enjoyment at a uh, at convention game. So that's just kind of why I did that. Makes sense. Yeah, once you've got all of that, your character's done. Except for two things that I forgot to mention. Two very critical portions of the character up at the top, which are the root and the bloom. You might... I'm just going to take a note of this. So, uh, root and bloom are the virtue and vice, essentially, of Geist's Sin Eaters. So, if your character is able to fulfill their root their willpower stat is completely refilled. Any of these spent is instantly gained back. Uh, you can only do that once per chapter of the game. So once every kind of portion of a story arc, essentially, any any like mini arc. If a bloom is fulfilled, uh, and this can be done once per scene, the character regains one uh, willpower point. Now, things have kind of changed since uh, World of Dragons first edition, if that's what you are most familiar with. Um, in this one, the uh, root and bloom can be kind of selected from a list. There's a couple examples that are given in the book, but you can also come up with your own, uh, which usually you do by just coming up with a, usually like an adjective or something or some kind of core conceit, uh, which the character is going to try to fulfill. So in the case of Erica, the root, that really like core value that they want to kind of retain is family. Uh, so that's very easy to figure out, you know, if, if, uh, Erica is able to really create a very familial atmosphere or protect her family or something like that, she will, in that chapter, regain all willpower. The bloom, however, is revenge. So this is the more uh, kind of fatalistic part of the character, wherein if she takes revenge on something or avenges for someone else, she regains that one willpower. And that is, I believe, the entirety of the basic character creation uh, of a 
Sin Eater character. But don't worry, there's more. Because in Geist the Sin Eaters, as we mentioned, you also get to create the Geist of this character, which for Erica is the Mute Screamer. This is uh, actually a little bit shorter. The character sheet is only half a page, so uh, it's pretty easy to fill in. And again, uh, the Chronicles of Darkness uh, character sheets are really nice because they actually give you a whole bunch of notes and formulas, so uh, it's very easy to fill out most of this sheet without even referencing the book. The main things to note about a, uh, a Geist character is up at the top, they have the, kind of the concept... They have their virtue and vice, just like a regular mortal character, which is interesting. And they also have a ban and a bane. So let's go over the virtue and vice, because we just talked about that with Erica. Uh, Again, you can pick them from a list. You could go for one of the the seven deadly sins or something like that for the vice. Or you can just kind of create something yourself. Uh, I decided that the vice of the mute screamer, I'm kind of assuming that this, this geist doesn't usually talk except in like very extreme conditions and mostly kind of like pokes prods and hurts uh erica to get the the, the living woman to do what the uh the geist wants so the vice i went with was sadism you know this hurting of uh of erica to kind of achieve things however the virtue i went with was cultivation so by having plans come to fruition or sort of a long-term goal come into place so in addition to the virtue advice we of course have the ban and the bane so the ban i went with for this character usually the ban is something that the spirit or in this case ghost or geist cannot do and i thought an interesting thing would be that the mute screamer cannot vocally scream or even vocally talk without corporeal pain so the, the Mute Screamer is not going to say anything to Erica unless Erica's suffering, you know, being hurt, uh, starving, or in these kind of extreme conditions, which I thought would be just a very interesting and thematic thing to roleplay. Uh, likewise, uh, the Bane is a, a specific weakness of the Geist. So it could be like being attacked with silver, uh, holy water, that sort of thing. I thought something interesting, kind of going with the whole auditory idea, would be that the bane of this geist would be the sound of church bells, which uh, are unfortunately, you know, they could be somewhat common in, in Paris, France. So I just thought that would be kind of a, a cool thing to go with. But does the sound of uh, church bells physically hurt the geist? Or drive them yes. away? Uh, it would actually physically hurt the geist. Okay. Yeah. Pretty brutal. Don't go to a church. It also turns off character. most of Senator's powers. Yeah. Geist also have crisis points, which are uh, uh, during very extreme situations, especially if the uh, the Geist and the Senator have very low synergy. Uh, this can cause a lot of problems and could cause the Geist to maybe take over or uh, affect the, the player character in some ways. Um, I went with the Hazy uh, trigger, which is, there's a whole list of them that you can check out, uh, in the book. Basically, the, uh, Geist will be affected if, um, uh, the, the Sin Eater is the victim of a deliberate attempt to discredit, harm, or disempower you. Um, just thought that might be interesting for, you know, being such a vengeful character. Uh, again, that would kind of play into the whole, uh, basics of this Geist. And, whew, pretty much almost done. So, the character gets a whole bunch of dots to uh, put out. Um, they only have three attributes, which are power, finesse, and resistance. They don't have that physical, mental, social breakdown, uh, which is fine. That's really easy to fill in your dots then. They give you 12 dots. Uh, everything starts at one, and you can spread out another 12 dots in addition to those. So I went with uh, giving this character a power of eight, finesse of two, and resistance of five. So obviously a very powerful spirit, but if it's just mutely screaming all the time it probably doesn't have a lot of finesse right yeah not terribly subtle no definitely not and i just assumed a pretty average basic resistance uh the only other thing i think we really want to bring up on the geist character sheet is the remembrances so this is very simple to start off with it's basically like a an old memory that your uh senior character can uh take advantage of and what i went with for the mute screamer was expression the skill of expression um I just thought that would be kind of an interesting thing. You know, uh, this character, this this geist, 
must have at one time uh, been very expressive and maybe even now uh, in its mute screaming state has some um, peculiar ways to affect expression. I uh, just thought that might be kind of a fun thing to play with, despite Erica not being a very social character. And expression, of course, is a very is one of the more social skills. And that's pretty much it. Hmm. Uh, the other thing I was wondering, given how synergy operates in this game, um, how do touchstones work for the sin eaters? Because touchstones are about you know related to, to people they care about or things they care about, much like you have in Vampire or or any other game in Chronicles of Darkness. So how do touchstones operate? Do they operate slightly differently in in Geist? Not too much. I didn't design any uh, touchstones for this character. Um, and Chris, let me know if I need to do that. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. Anything else? Any other questions or stuff to point out or any any excitement, brainstorming, anything like that? I think we've covered pretty much everything on the sheet looking at it. I mean, um, it's it's interesting that we now have a full... That in second edition, we fully stat out the Geist. And in that respect, it's, it's a lot more similar to Wraith in Old World of Dark... In, you know, in World of Darkness. Um, so I, I kind of like that aspect that the, the Geist is more present in this, uh, in this edition. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely very interesting. Uh, there is actually a, uh, a core mechanic of the Sin Eater character that we didn't bring up, which is the uh, ceremonies. Oh, yes. Uh, that's, the, that's the third uh, kind of power grouping that we forgot to mention. Uh, these are actually very, very straightforward. They're all basically ritual magic that has to do with uh, interacting with the underworld. So, um, oh, geez, what was a good one? There was one where you were able to bury a book in the ground, and when you dug it back up anyone that was writing in it or touching it or doing anything like that uh would give you certain truths basically um and it's a lot of very slow moving rituals like that where it might take weeks or months of preparation to pull off but once you do you have some basic mechanical bonus and the other interesting thing about that is that you don't need to be a sin eater to be able to use one of those uh there are regular mortals that do ceremonies like that so I think the intent is that, like, maybe even the Ouija board is is a ceremony itself if you're using it the correct manner. Um, yeah, I found the so I found the bits cool. on touchstones. So yeah, touchstones are, are basically promises in a, in essence, promises to people or things people you care about. Uh, that's the way it, it at least um, talks about it. Uh, and so you know, synergy one, you have one touchstone. Synergy three, you get a second one. Uh, but the touchstones are interesting because the first touchstone is tied to your burden at Synergy 1. The second touchstone you gain is tied to your Geist Remembrance. And then the th- third touchstone at Synergy 6 is tied to your desire to enact change in the underworld. And so the ways these operate is that you lose touchstones. So should your Synergy drop below a certain level, you lose a touchstone. Uh you gain willpower anytime you defend your attachment to a touchstone. You regain one willpower, uh, and if that defense comes at serious risk or major cost, regain all spent willpower. So touchstones, in some respects, are kind of like anchors, I would say. Uh, but of course, you're living. Uh, they also give you um, a synergy boost. Uh, you can have clashing of touchstones, as in they can, uh, you know, they can be antagonistic towards each other and make things life difficult and when you resolve the issue at the core of your touchstone your geist gains one rank so touchstones are important to the game so for example i'm going to look for one here which is obvious possibly is related to our character murder weapon something about withholding the implement of your destruction keeps you centered maybe it's literal a knife a gun a broken bit of a steering column maybe a certain band uh, of booze will do it maybe an old medicine uh, so so they're yeah they're weird okay we'll have to delve a bit more into it but they they are key to how you will regain willpower and also the growth of a geist okay nice cool so i think that's most of what we want to cover i think for rules and stuff um uh, a lot of it's pretty basic uh i so i mean i think we can kind of move on to uh kind of our basic conclusions you know we've gone through the setting we've gone through a lot of the rules and character creation 
how does everyone feel about Geist Chig? Would you play Geist of Sin Eaters, second edition? I think I would play it, but I don't think I would want to be the one to run it because it seems to have a lot of uh, a lot of plates that have to be spinning. Maybe eventually I'd be comfortable running it, but right now, I don't think so. But playing in it, absolutely. Yeah, I would be cool with running it. I would be cool with playing it. I just don't want to be the person to make the characters, which, <laughs> by the way, is the thing I'm doing right now. So, um, yeah, it's it's really weird. Like, um, I find it so strange the way that the uh, the haunts and the keys work, because I feel like it really a lot of the ability of the character is kind of obfuscated by these these like three interacting systems of the condition cards, the doom, and, well, yeah, dooms and uh, the haunt condition cards, the actual haunt rules themselves, and then also the keys as well, mm. and how you need to have all of those basically working together to give you the correct bonuses, uh, as opposed to, you know, I was just taking a look at um, Change the Lost, second edition. The contracts are fairly straightforward, you know, except for the loopholes, basically, which is you know, an obvious, it, that, that's supposed to be a complication with them. So it's, it's and, and also with like Disciplines in Vampire, the Requiem, second edition, you know, obviously you just add together uh, attribute plus skill, boom, roll it, and then you get the effect. This system seems a lot more complex, and I'm not sure if it's really that beneficial to the players. Or the story. Mm, yeah. yeah, I think from previous edition, what I remember of Geist, first edition, I think the keys and the what were called manifestations now called haunts um, it wasn't that I don't I don't think the keys the keys were generally well, the way that what keys did the keys added flavor to the type of haunt so say um, and I think that still remains so say if you use uh, the boneyard uh, again, the Boneyard is always a good classic one because the Boneyard is about extending your senses over an area. Like, you know, the, the paintings of eyes, you know, you, you feel, you sense everything within that zone, that building. So if you use the Pyre Flame key with the Boneyard, it'll mean like, say, faces might appear in any um, flame that might be apparent within the building. Or as you, or if you then start enacting more physical manifest uh, more physical haunts within the boneyard um so other things where you're beginning to say do environmental things then maybe the pyre flame might well manifest uh more physically in how in how you do that action so um it, yeah there's an element that they're just flavor i think the keys aren't the problem i think keys are actually quite the simple part of it the problem is you know, you've got this manifest. You've got this uh, haunt. You you turn you you turn it on, and then also it does a condition. You've got various ways of spending your successes on that condition. But then there's all the different layers of the haunt. So you then get more charges, and you get more effects. And it's there's a lot of little there's lots of working little bits of working parts in there to um to keep a handle on. It's just not it's not the same as just going. I do this power, and it does this and it just does this it's not like a discipline in vampire but in some respects that's maybe better because the haunts are more i feel more environmental if that makes sense they're they're a lot more trying mm -hmm. to get the ghosts yeah. to do the 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 poltergeist type things or you're trying to look horrific and scare lots of people um the only one that's really a heads up straight, you know, you do damage type thing, I think is the call, I think, or maybe I can't remember which, which other haunt, but very few of them are like direct. I target you and do damage. It's not that simple. The call doesn't do damage. It just lets you warp your body. So you can yeah. feel unarmed. Yeah. In relation to what you were saying with like the keys affecting the different haunts, one of the things it uh, says is if you use like the key of beasts on, I think it's the memoria where like you summon up an image of a dead thing. Like the, the way that it changed that manifestation is like a swarm of bugs coming yes. up out of nowhere and turn into the object that you're recreating. Yeah. And that's, I think that's nice. very much in keeping with a lot of um, modern horror media, that kind of 
uses kind of those type of thing, those kind of like um, thematic elements and and uh, you know storytelling. Other things I can say, I mean, overall, I do like it. I just hate the layout of the book. Let's just be honest with that. Um, the layout annoys, yeah. the, annoys <laughs> the heart of me because I am going to be running this. Hmm. But overall, I, I think there's definitely, at least the game, it's clearer what you're doing in the game. Uh, I think that's obvious. I think the problem is it might have that until you, you've really looked into, and again, why the manifest, the, sorry, the haunt conditions have to be in the book next to the rules for each of the haunts is because you could get that exalted problem where you go, oh, you think you've done a good build, but actually what you've done is a shitty build because it's too hard <laughs> to see everything. Oh, yeah. you, you think, oh, this sounds good, this sounds good, this sounds good, but there is absolutely no synergy between any of the things you've purchased for your character. Uh, and all or the you rules could... are 300 pages apart, so... Mm, yep. Yeah. So I have issues with that. So I think that's where I stand with it. Um, otherwise, inspirational media, funnily enough, I've watched some things which are very good inspiration for Geist recently. Uh, I watched, there's a new BBC comedy series called um, uh, called Ghosts, uh, which has someone that, uh, you know, falls out a bit, I think gets pushed out of a building by a ghost and um, uh, to, to get her through her, um, her condition, um, they put her into an induced coma. So she actually died momentarily and then comes back and can see all the ghosts and they're all from different time periods. So that's kind of like her crew um, and her celebrants. Uh, and it's quite funny because it's the guys behind Horrible Histories, the kids' TV series. It's all those actors. So it's quite hilarious. Um, the other thing I watched... Here in the US. Yeah. Um, the the other the other film I watched recently, which again I think can fit into it and give you some ideas about how ghosts operate and memories and fading away, is the Disney film of all films, the Disney animated film Coco, which is all about uh, the Mexican Day of the Dead celebrations and uh, and it's basically about a kid finding out more about his past and and interacting with the ghosts of his family and he actually crosses over into the underworld uh due to whatever thing so he's actually he does kind of become a bit like a sin eater and they have like psychopomps for their ghosts and everything else like that so there's some really even though it's a family friendly film it's actually quite deep in certain places and what's also really interesting is that even though it's the mexican day of the dead and it's modern the ghosts are all modern or relatively modern you can quite you can see quite easily within the psychopomps and in the elements of the dead realm are things like that are very more aztec mayan kind of themes so it just shows that obviously all these are the all the all that celebration while the culture is you know meant to be catholic it's the 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 celebrations and the rituals of the dead that they follow are an amalgam of many different things i'll have to give that one a look it's a good film it's a good disney film it doesn't look like a carbon copy of everything else they've done recently that's cgi oh well it's pixar that explains it well yeah yeah um <laughs> yeah exactly um other good uh media inspiration that involved the underworld and ghosts recently that we haven't covered hard to say if there's anything i'd really um point out recently i've watched i've watched too many things that's why fair enough but what i'm on the edge of my seat waiting to hear is matt would you play guys and sin eaters <laughs> second edition i might play it but like bryce i'm really not in the mood to even think about running it it seems like way too many plates to spin over my head trying to get the thing to work all right cool no i respect that that's that's totally understandable nice all right good so i think that's it that's our general conclusion of uh of guys of Years right there second edition of course pretty cool stuff and i think with that uh again we're gonna have a uh, the character sheet will be up on the darker days blog which we'll have a link to in the show notes if you want to go check it out and just kind of see all the uh, write-up and everything and uh of course you can check that out at uh blogspot.com slash darker days radio if you want to check out any of our previous episodes you can see those at darker-days.org send us an email over at darker days radio at gmail.com and of course we're on twitter at darker days radio we've got uh, our instagram discord spotify all the good stuff nice 
All right, everyone, thanks for joining me for yet another episode. And uh, that's it. We got Geist done. Awesome. Yep. Geist busted. <laughs> uh, wait, 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 Chig. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? I think so, but where Geist, do we find uh, rubber pants Let's do it. size? Let's, wait, what? <laughs> Uh, I was talking about Geist Busters as a game, oh, but oh, uh, oh, yeah, that 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 could work. Mm. Nice. Anyway, we'll think about that some other time. And to all the listeners out there, take it easy and good night. This has been an episode of Darker Days Radio. Special thanks to Occam's Laser for the intro, outro, and new bumper music from their hit album, Nine Circles. Check out the rest of their work at occamslaser.bandcamp.com. <laughs>